Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi. Talk to you. Recorded live. That's are you there? Is this a personal chat or are we on a show? No, this is just show. personal. Yeah, I'm. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's just been the easiest way to get a recording because my phone, you know, these the the software on the phone crashes, hangs, or whatever. But no, we don't. This, no broadcast. Not going on a show. Uh, it's just because my memory is bad, and uh, and brilliance being recorded. Is easier for me to go over again. Okay. So All what? Right. So, um, I'm not sure where exactly to start, um, but uh, honey, could you break it down a little bit faster than I could? Everything that we've uh, gone through from um, from you know the judge. Uh, well, I guess it's not really important as to. The judge fixing the fines, um, but it is uh, it is unconstitutional. But um, I think the biggest problem right now we're having is, um, you know, having questions of law not answered obviously in the municipal court and just shut up and yell at and abuse. And um, now they're wanting to us to appeal to a second municipal, and they're just going to hear the tickets again. And they're wanting an appearance bond. And we have court cases, I think it's Denali's being, being one of them. Uh, I'm not sure where the court case comes from. I'd have to look. Levi knows more about that. But uh, a girl, she did uh, get into, I think it was circuit. I'm not sure, but she appealed without paying the appearance bond. And um, anyways, they're wanting you know, $1,200 for the fines, but $1,500 to appeal. But um, wait a minute. All right. First, what kind of offense are we talking about? Uh, criminal, no tat or no license plate, no insurance, no driver's license. What state? Mississippi. Okay. And what kind of criminal offense? Jailable or fine only? Well, the the uh, prosecutor said I'm going to jail today if I'm found guilty. I thought you said there's already been a trial. Well, we we were in trial two days ago, and um, I said that I asked for uh, the judge said, you know, he just kept rushing me and rushing me. I said, you know, you're 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 grading your own paper here, and I don't have a chance. And I asked for a stay of execution pending appeal, and he said, you know, you have X days. And the uh, prosecutor he didn't object or he didn't ask, he didn't move for jail time, but prior to trial. He said, you know, if you're found guilty today, you're going to jail and threw his papers. And okay. Threw, you know. First off, have you read the law they're charging you with? Oh, absolutely. The law that they're charging me with is a B-51 no driver's license, which is a federal uh, code 
what is it, a, a record-keeping code from the uh, 23 CFR, uh, Chapter 3, Part 1327. And um, I brought that up in court. And they said, we don't hear federal codes here, but they're saying that it's Mississippi codes, XXX. And um, I tried to bring up the the uh, wording from the statutes, and they're like, you know, that, that calls for legal conclusion. And I'm like, you know, how can this officer charge me with something that she, she would have to then make a legal conclusion to even conclude? But, um, yeah, yeah, we've read the statutes that they're um, charging outside of the charging affidavit, but um, the charging affidavit itself only contains record-keeping codes from the federal code and the AAMBA codes. Well, they can't charge you outside of the complaint. What specific statute is it saying you violated? It doesn't say on the ticket. It says B-51, no driver's license, and it doesn't exist in Mississippi code. Okay. Again, driver's licenses don't have squat to do with city code. They have to do with state law. So let me ask this again. What statute, not ordinance, statute, are they saying you're in violation of? And is it listed in the complaint as what you're being charged with? It is not listed in the complaint. It is not listed in the complaint. There is no city ordinance nor state code listed on the complaint. Then what Outside is of the complaint? Go ahead. What is listed in the complaint? B-51, no driver's license which has not been provided. B-51 of what? That's it. That's all it says. B-51, no driver's license. Okay. Then who moved to quash the uh, complaint for lack of notice? Uh, we have... insufficient to provide proper notice to the accused of what they're being charged with, is it not? We, we, noted for, we, we motioned to dismiss for failure to state a cause of action. I didn't say anything about a dismissal. Okay. I asked why you have not moved to quash the complaint as being legally insufficient. It does not provide proper notice to the accused of the nature and cause. What is B-51? They, they won't answer that. And well, they don't have a choice. That's the whole damn point. That's exactly my point. They don't have a choice. It's a violation of due process to not tell the accused the nature and cause when they demand it. Yep. Well, I, I've put that on the record multiple, multiple times, before trial and how after trial, or at trial. How did you put it on the record? Uh, uh, we, a, bra a, motion, a Brady motion, motion for discovery, for Motion information for discovery is not the same thing as challenging lack of notice. How are they even close to the same thing? I, we're, I don't know. I mean, that's that's what that's the information I had trying to move forward in in getting what we needed to know so that we could have put in a responsive pleading. Again, let me ask the question. Did you file any motion to quash the charging instrument 
because it failed to provide proper, sufficient, and timely notice of the nature and cause of the alleged offense. No, we did not motion to quash. And that is why you're getting bulldozed. Have you entered a plea? No, and we, we at, at before trial, Tracy said on the record, or we, we were recording uh, with our own devices, uh, and said that, you know, she hasn't even been arraigned yet. And, uh, and they, so they, the court put in, she says she, she, hasn't been, she hasn't been arraigned, and she hasn't been given the nature and cause of the action. And, uh, and they said, well, uh, the prosecutor and the judge together says, oh, well, there's, there's no plea on the record. So in this case, Mississippi allows the judge to put a not guilty plea on the record, and then they move forward. And uh, no, I did not object. How much do you know about the rules of criminal procedure in Mississippi? New rules were just implemented July 1st. Um, that is not my question. Yes. How much do you know about the rules of criminal procedure in Mississippi, whether they're new or old? <laughs> I have read them multiple times. I don't really exactly um, know how to answer that question, but I have read them uh, many, many times. And Okay, um, if you've read them many, many times, where does it say that the judge is fucking up? Uh, because well, it absolutely should be telling you he's fucking up right now. There should be something in there that makes it, absolutely certain this judge is fucking up if this is how he's doing it. So where is it? Well, I, I would believe that that would be, uh, I think, Rule 16, where it says that he, the only way that they can actually proceed to trial is by me waiving arraignment, and I put on the record that I did not waive arraignment, and that I require the nature and cause of the action. And... um Okay, then what is the process for disqualifying a judge that will not comply with the rules of procedure and the right of due process? That's where I'm at. I have no idea. I'm thinking tort claim. It's not a tort claim. You can't sue a judge unless the judge is absolutely acting without any jurisdiction of any kind. You haven't made that point yet. So there is no tort. Again, not what I'm asking. Please listen to what I'm asking you. There is either a way to recuse the judge, which means you get the judge to remove themselves from the case, or there is a way to disqualify the judge because the judge will not play by the rules. Where are the rules governing those two things? I guess we'll have to look for those. That would be a good idea. I'm not sure. The second thing is, is what is the step-by-step -step procedure in these cases that they are required to follow? 
There is always a beginning, there is always an end, and there is always specific steps in between each of those. What are they? Which ones are they doing? Which ones are they not doing? Which ones that they're not doing or they are doing, are they doing in a way that violates right or ignores your rights? If you don't know the answer to these questions, you are going to get royally screwed every single time. I think we know what they are. You think you know what they are? Yeah, we put in for lack of jurisdiction. We challenged the fact that the discovery was not completed. They, they uh, Okay, did stop right there, right there. Mm-hmm. Stop right there. The fact that you put in for discovery with the court already establishes that the court has jurisdiction. How can a court order discovery if it doesn't have jurisdiction? A court without jurisdiction can only do one thing, dismiss. They can't do anything else. Okay, well, so the timeline on this was we didn't know until a few days before trial that they were pleading federal law. We've been asking all along, provide the statute so we know whether to plead or not. Yeah, but you're still missing the point of my question. You're asking them for something, but what authority are you using to say you have a right to it? What are you citing? What rule of law? To know the nature and cause. What are you citing as the authority for your right to know? Well, wouldn't wouldn't that be um, that the uh, Supreme? Oh. Wasn't it the Supreme Court case? We that, we, we yeah. cited the Mississippi Constitution. Okay, and, well, and the federal Constitution. And who, and who agreed in the courts with your interpretation of the Mississippi Constitution? No answer. Silence. Why are you asking them? I'm asking you. You're the one responsible for doing your case law research, not them. And we did, and then we proved up. That they were why don't you have a case to tell me? Repeat that. Why don't you have a case you can answer me with then? I just asked you a question about what, who agreed with you, what court agreed with you. Wasn't it the Supreme Court that said that penalty statutes aid in the I, enforcement of a main statute, and that's the oh, case? Yeah. One of the cases that we relied on, there are multiple uh, case law, there are cases between the United States Supreme Court, the Mississippi Supreme Court, and um, I believe uh, multiple uh, federal courts. But um, uh, I think Bill is looking. But we we put in that, um, you know, uh, I think it's Cheek, United States versus Cheek, that uh, defined willfulness being a... uh, a violation of a known legal duty, and nobody could provide a known legal duty. As a matter of fact, the prosecutor said that the officer did not have to uh, identify the known legal duty because that calls for a legal conclusion. And um, I objected and um, told if them officer, that. Okay, if an officer cannot identify the specific law he's alleging you violated, then the officer could not possibly have had probable cause. There you go. That's what we've been saying. Where in, where in Mississippi does it deal with the requirement for the court to hold a probable cause hearing? When was it held? There, there is none. Okay. They won't provide me, one. 
Let me finish what I'm saying. The fact is, whether there was one or not, what law said there had to be one? What court case said there had to be one? A probable cause determination for a warrantless arrest is a mandatory right of due process until you waive it. That's why I asked about entering a plea, because entering a plea waives the right to demand to know that and to have it done. So when they enter a plea for you without having provided that and they do it against your will and consent, they are violating your due process right to a probable cause. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. So why are you not using that information to get this judge disqualified for judicial incompetence and malicious behavior? Well, the trial's over. Well, we're acting because we're fumbling the in the dark, and we need we need we need we need mentorship on procedure and process, and we're we're heavy on theory. <laughs> you've had a hearing, or you've had a trial. Trial. It it, it was supposed to be arraignment, and it jumped the trial. When did this happen? This Thursday. So she's been to the. Was this in a court of record or no record? No, no record. record. Then there's no way they can be sending you to jail. They cannot send you to jail for a conviction in a court of no record. In Mississippi. In Mississippi, anywhere that is I, I, not we legally know. possible. We know it happens anyway in Mississippi. Then there you need, no. then you need to be filing to move this case to the federal courts for rights violations protected at the federal level. If Mississippi is violating fundamentally protected rights in its court. You have the right to have that issue resolved by the federal courts that these are rights violations, and they have the right to prohibit the state from doing it. I agree. What's the, what's the uh, style of the charge there? Is it declaratory relief, injunctive, civil rights, RICO? It's both. It's all. The RICO is a lawsuit. Well, you're mm-hmm. suing them for recovery of some damages or mm-hmm. harm, okay, possibly even criminal activity. But sure. the rest of it, injunctive relief and mandamus, it's all civil in nature, but at the federal level, you simply file a motion to remove it to federal court. Okay, now we're out of the 30-day limit. Now, here's this is, this is what's critical about this. B-51 is a federal law. There's diversity. There's federal law. If the state is trying to charge you under a federal law that they themselves said they had no authority to enforce, then the problem here becomes the complete lack of jurisdiction in the first instance. That we put in, in a motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. And we cited a federal law 
And, and yeah, but man you, all should along. Have also, you should have also put in for a removal to federal court if it was a federal charge. Uh, oh, here's the problem. I'm saying we didn't find this out until just a few days before trial. And when Tracy showed that, she wanted to question that patrol officer, what did they train you on B-51? And the prosecutor objected and said that was harassment, that they weren't there on a B-51, they were there on a state provision. And so Tracy says, well, here's your B-51 right here in federal law. And she goes and shows the prosecutor, and the prosecutor says, where'd you get that? He never even was aware there was a B-51. Is that no what is in the charging instrument against you? That's all there was for a charging instrument. There was no state provision so at, at Wait all. A minute. Wait a minute. What is all there was for a charging instrument? B-51, willfully and intentionally violated B-51. That is not a charging instrument. That's a citation to some code. What did they have oh. it written on? There you go. That's the sum total of it. That's the whole deal. These are affidavits and charging affidavits at the same time. That's what's, That's the craziness of this thing. That's what I'm saying. You know, this thing is so lawless that the judge okay, and the prosecutor me, and the cop don't know. Let me simplify this here real, real quick. In order for them to file a case in the court, what does Mississippi use as a charging instrument? The, the charging affidavit. The ticket. Uniform traffic ticket, charging the affidavit. The ticket cannot possibly be an affidavit because it is not signed under penalty of perjury in front it of is. someone authorized to administer oaths. It is. Yeah, Indeed they it are. Is. They are. They go right they to the clerk, she's certified as a notary, they sign it in front of her, and they enter it into the record. That's the sum total of what they have. And the prosecutor has, um, she he uh, questioned the clerk and got the clerk to um, admit that that is the signature and that she uh, notarized the charging affidavit as the charging, or, you know, as the charge or whatever. Yeah, oh, you got the whole phone. See what the legal requirement for a charging instrument is in in Mississippi. There has to be a. Here's what the. There has to be an affidavit attached to the charging instrument. There has to be an affidavit attached to it. They combine the two. So called. That's that's what they combine, and we ask, "Where's this B fifty one? Because we know there is no B fifty one. So here's what's going to gone on. They write this affidavit that has this federal provision on it. They don't even know that that's what it is. We go to court and they don't even they're clueless. The cop, we ask, are you trained on writing these tickets? Oh yeah, are you trained on this these uniform traffic tickets? Oh yeah. Have you ever seen a B fifty one? She couldn't answer. And, and so, I asked, is this your charging instrument? And she she, she, she said, I'm sorry, could you, uh, oh, she said yes on that one. But she asked me to clarify on charging affidavit also, and I said, is this your affidavit? Is this what you're charging me with? And she said yes. And so we, that's what we said, well, where's your B-51? Because it is nothing but a federal record-keeping provision of a matter already concluded. 
And so we said, okay, this is what you're charging us with. Here's the only B-51 in existence, Title 23, record-keeping provision for National Driver Registry. And he objected and said, that doesn't apply here. I said, you know, exactly. Why is it on this affidavit? Why am I being charged with it? The state has not proven or um, uh, provided a B-51 no driver's license. I'm not charged here with Mississippi Code 23-1937. I'm charged with this code right here. You see see B-51 no driver's license. And it is part of Mississippi law because it is part of their record-keeping provisions to be able to receive federal highway funds. So as a matter of adoption, what they do, they put this thing on there for their convenience and nobody questions it. And when it's brought up, you find out nobody knows what the heck's going on. And what they're doing is they're charging on an affidavit with a federal provision that has no requirements for people. It's simply for participating states, and there's no enforcement provisions for it. And when they charge you with a non-penalty uh, and a non-duty, they want to abandon the federal statements on the ticket, charge you with one thing, and try you on something else called state penalties. File an interlocutory appeal with the appellate court. Okay. File a notice of removal to federal court with now, the appeal. Okay, and it's not too late because the third, isn't there a 30-day, but there are other provisions outside of the 30-day requirement. But uh, we're but, within 30 days of finding the B-51. Yeah. And well, we're within 30 days of an arraignment. No, yeah, no the, 30, the yeah. 30 days have to have the start clock. The 30-day clock starts when the plaintiff puts in the paperwork, and you receive it. And it says Stop. it's arraignment. 30 days Stop. of arraignment. Stop. It's okay. irrelevant. Jurisdiction can be challenged at any time, place, at any point, whether right. it be before, during, or 50 freaking years after. True. Okay, the issue here is lack of jurisdiction from the very beginning of any kind. That's what we think. It's not a matter of think. If what you're telling me is accurate, it's fact. If it's accurate. It's as accurate as anything we found admitted. The conviction is illegal. There you go. Therefore, file an interlocutory appeal... File an injunction against the court to prevent him. File an injunction, an injunctive relief request against the lower courts to prevent them from ever doing this again. And then also file a removal to federal court to challenge the court, the state court's actions at the federal level. Okay. Now, the challenge in the federal court will be for relief, for rights violation, or what? It will be for all of the above. Injunctive relief, mandamus, all based upon rights violations dealing with due process. Okay. It It is diversity. It is federal law. So, and here's the thing about removal. The 
plaintiff's cause of action on its face has to have federal law, and it has to be a substantial part of their complaint, and that's the only thing on them tickets. And when it's brought to the attention of the court, you don't have a B-51 in existence except for this. They stand there and say, we don't use federal law in this court, and we don't know what you're talking about. And the judge is screaming at me, move on, Miss Arnold. And then they go to some, charge her with a non-charging statute, and then want to try you under something else. A penalty provision for state law. Which is a violation of the right of notice and due process, like I've already said. Yeah. All right, well, um... So my question is, uh, Eddie, where do we get more on the procedure side, the rules side, and because we are, we've, we have the, the argument to get in front of someone uh, to, to make this clear, but we can't actually – Mississippi has uh, three levels of garbage before you hit the, uh, co- the Court of Appeals. Um, in this particular oh. case, they, they want us to go from – this podunk municipal court to a podunk county court, and then it goes to the uh, the circuit court, court, which still has no clue, and then it goes to the court of appeals, and then the Mississippi Supreme Court. It doesn't matter what process they want you to follow if they're breaking their own rules and following it and denying you in your rights of doing so. That right. becomes a federal issue. It's no longer in the state's hands. Well, that's good. I'm really glad that we have that cleared up because I've been going crazy trying to figure out how we're going to get this into federal court because I don't, I can't keep going through municipal and not being heard on the law and the then fact just trying that to it's say a federal statute they're trying to use and the fact that they're using it to violate fundamentally protected rights is all you need to get it in the federal venue. Okay. Okay, now, All right. let, me, let, me, uh, let me ask you another question regarding this now, because I know that 30-day window from the time you receive the original paperwork is a big club they use. We don't have jurisdiction because you didn't but, follow the rule 30 days. Now, and if this matter is going to – we're tossed between trying the removal and being denied over that or filing an original action – they can't deny you in a removal. The only one that can deny the removal is the federal court. I, I understand that. That's what I'm saying. The federal court uses as a big club to keep their their. Uh, then you have right. to write it to make sure that they can't do that by showing how what the state is doing violates federally protected rights. That you means that. you're going to need federal case law, either from your federal district or from the United States Supreme Court, that supports your argument that what the state's doing is unconstitutional and illegal. We can do that. There's no well, we've got that pretty well salted. So the, okay. It was. <laughs> well, if you got all that, what am I doing here? Well, we're we're trying to to get some confirmation and to clarify what course we move to the federal court with whether it's removal or whether it's original action. And uh, some uh, reason you think you can do both. Okay. 
Okay, so we, all right, all two actions then over the same matter and see if they can combine them or dismiss them. Oh, no, because one is relief from a harm the state is doing and the other is a lawsuit against the individual municipal courts and actors for the harm they personally saw to. They're two completely different actions stemming from the same set of events. One is civil as far as you're suing somebody at the federal level, and the other is civil in that the, the federal level is having to tell the lower court, you can't do what you're doing. You understand the difference? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything yeah. else on this end? Uh, last question is, where do we get access to your training materials? Say that again? Where do we get access to your training materials that you put together that uh, maybe isn't part of it? has to do specifically with state law and fighting specifics of state law. This is not going to help you that much at the federal level. If you want to understand how to file a lawsuit and make it work, then what you need is jurisdictionary, not my material. Yeah, we, I have I have jurisdictionary, the original material, plus I have a subscription. I've got okay. Gordon's material, and I have Richard I have Richard Cornforth's material. Well, be aware that jurisdictionary falls short in one very important aspect. It does not deal with suing the government. It does the not. The principles of the lawsuit are the same, but the manner of proof and argument is different. You have to condemn with uh, federal 12B6s and everything else, so you're going to need to do some separate study outside of jurisdictionary to get familiar with how to prosecute a federal suit against a government entity. Okay, right now it's just simply the town, municipality. So, you know, we're pretty, pretty easy on that subdivision one. of the state with political immunity if you don't do it right. True, true. Yeah, we've got to pierce the immunity. So. Okay, All right, so, well, I guess that wraps so it up, huh? We should move against these guys individually then. Or, now, here's, you know, here's our difficulty. They're going to municipal court and using the state of Mississippi on top of their paperwork. And... Uh, The other thing the that was brought up is that these municipal courts get to be totally lawless and there's no method of review because a trial de novo wipes out that activity. Wipes out any review of that. And well, I think they, they, they here violation. in Texas know that's not how it's supposed to work. I think that's a violation of due process. Either, but I challenge that as being unconstitutional. Okay. We're going to allege that too. It is unconstitutional to subject the people to a judicial process without any capability whatsoever of receiving justice. It's completely asinine to think that's a valid way to exercise governmental authority. That's one of the arguments I made against it. Glad you put it that way. Because we're going to use that type of uh, description. Well, it's a waste. It's a waste of public funds to conduct what essentially comes down to a worthless trial that 
if appealed, doesn't benefit the accused at all except take more time and money out of their pocket to fight it. That alone is unconstitutional. There being a process for which they cannot hope to achieve proper remedy. Got a case on that. Good deal. I'm glad you said that. All right, well, I'm dropping off. Thank you um, for everything. And um, I'll get in touch with you tomorrow. Uh, today we actually keep Sabbath, so I can't send money today. But um, I definitely want to, to uh, put something towards your time. And um, we appreciate this call. And we, yeah, and we don't ask for legal advice, and we don't want any. So make sure all we're That's doing is talk about Give it all the time. We're just trading knowledge. Okay, well, wish you luck. Oh, oh, one other thing. Do you want to see any of this paperwork? You can send it to me. I can't guarantee I'm going to have time to sit down and read any of it. I got I got tons of people sending me paperwork that I never get a chance to read. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we wanted to share what works. And uh, is is your your Facebook group a good place to put that material, or is there, is there a better place? You can, that you can upload it there, sure. Just make sure that you specify that it's specific to Mississippi. Okay. Uh, because the problem with most of the people in these groups is they don't have a clue that there are jurisdictional limitations on applying rules and regulations and statutes. They think they can use anything they find anywhere they want to, and that isn't how it works. Mm-hmm. Right. It has to be binding to be something you can use. To give it no, it's for informational purposes. But unless they know why you're using it and what it's actually relevant to, then it just becomes superfluous. So knowing that it's specific to Mississippi keeps people from trying to use it in Texas for anything other than information reference, not authority reference. Right, right. Right. Okay, we'll clearly identify it. Okay. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, all well. Thanks for the help. Yep, y'all have a good day. Blessings on you. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.